all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I'm going to admit that I have the sniffles a little bit today. We have just allergy mania here in Nashville. So you're going to hear that in my voice a little bit, but I hope wherever you are today in your listening environment, whether you're doing mundane tasks around the house, and this is going to keep you from feeling like you're having to do mundane tasks, or if you're in commute with a long day ahead of you or behind you even, I hope this finds you in a place of peace or at least heading towards getting into that place of peace in your heart as we remember truth together in these next few minutes. I wanted to give you the heads up that my sweet friend Jenny Allen and I will be touring again together coming up very soon in the month of October for the Freedom Tour. Even if you have caught us on one of these last runs, come out again. There's always going to be something fresh and new happening, and we're so excited to be gathering women and coming around this message of freedom together again. October 9th through the 13th, we are going to be in Newburgh, Indiana, LaGrange, Georgia, Brandon, Florida, Montgomery, Alabama, and Columbia, South Carolina. And then October 17th through the 20th, we're going to be in Little Rock, Arkansas, Topeka, Kansas, Bentonville, Arkansas, and Brandon, Mississippi. If you are in one of those cities or around it, I hope you will come out and see us. I have loved getting to tour with Jenny these past few years. This will actually be our last run together for a little while, which means that I'm probably going to have to be hopping on a plane to go visit her beyond this point because I'm going to miss her. Jenny is the real deal, and I love her heart for the gospel and how she boldly proclaims freedom that we have in Jesus. I just love it so much, and I love her heart for women and seeing them be set free in the presence of God. And I love, of course, getting to help her help women be at home in the presence of God in order to hand over their heart to Him. It's the most beautiful thing to be a part of, and I hope you'll join us. It'll be a night that you won't forget, I promise. And if you are a patron of this podcast, go on the Patreon app and find the post about the little meet and greet that we're going to have each night, because I would love to get to see you and hug your neck. Well, a little bit of fun news from our home front is that my parents, who have lived in Oklahoma for basically my whole life and most of theirs, I think all of theirs, they moved to Tennessee this summer and finally closed on a house that they found here just about 20 minutes from us. They actually live farther out in the country from us, if you can even imagine that based on what you know of Kiefer's Branch. But it has been so surreal to have them here after about 24 years, actually, our, most of our marriage of not living in the same city as them. It's just been so sweet to have them near. And they found some land and a little cottage on a hill. They're actually trying to think of a name for that because we've got Keeper's Grant. So they're like, we've got to come up with a name for this little homestead. My dad is going to be pastoring a small country church just down the road from us, which was actually a huge surprise blessing from God for all of us. It was a church that I had passed by many times while driving and just kind of wondered about it and its story. And my parents had kind of done the same thing when they would come to town to visit. So one Sunday, they were actually at our house keeping our dogs while the five of us were away, and they decided to go visit. Well, since it's such a small church, they were happily greeted by the members of the church who were overjoyed to have visitors. So they just started asking my parents who they were and where they were from. And my dad started to share that he was a pastor from Oklahoma and that they were going to be moving to this area. Well, come to find out, the pastor that had been there as an interim was about to retire at the end of June. So they were in search of someone to come and take his place. 
Well, long story short, my parents grew very fond of the members of this church and became fast friends with many of them. And dad was soon offered the job to come and be pastor. I always think it's so wonderful when the need gets filled both ways. My parents needed a community of people to receive them here in addition to us. And the way that my parents have always pastored people is cultivating a close-knit fellowship. And so God answered that prayer for them. And I believe that God answered the prayer of this little church too and needing a pastor to come and lead them in this season into everything that God has for them as a little church in this community. We've actually gotten to attend there a few times already when Eric and Kristen were here recording the podcast that they were on this past episode, we all got to go as a family. Their girls were with them and our kids. So it was such a treasure to get to be there. And this church, I love it. They have dinner on the grounds every fourth Sunday. So we got to have, you know, potluck dinner afterwards. It was, you know, very yummy. But when we walked in that day, my dad walked up to the pew where Nathan and I were sitting. And yes, they still have pews. I absolutely love it. But he asked us if we'd sing at the end of the service. Well, this is something that I always know that I need to be prepared for, by the way. So the answer's yes. And then we just sort of figure out what it needs to look like when it happens. (laughs) But you know what? That's what I grew up in was a little country church where you can do things like that on the fly. My dad actually used to call me out during church a lot when I was young, sometimes for talking and being disruptive in church. I remember one time when I was nine or so, I maybe have told you this before, but he literally called me out in front of the entire church one time when I was talking and being a little brat with my friends. And he made me go up and sit by my mom in front of everyone. I just had to do like the walk of shame. Well, anyway, as I got a little bit older, he'd call me out to come up and sing, sometimes just on the spot. And one time as a seventh grader, I'll never forget, I was sitting in a chapel service for the Christian school that I attended that was part of our church. And my dad, since he was pastor, he was over all of the chapel services. Well, I'll never forget, I was sitting by this boy I liked, and my dad, in the middle of his message, started singing this old call and response song Well, I immediately started fidgeting because I knew that I was getting ready to get called out the minute he started singing it. And sure enough, here it came. He started singing, Oh, Christy, do you love Jesus? Can you imagine? Well, I paused for a second knowing that it would be a much bigger ordeal if I didn't respond. So I decided to sing back, Oh, yes, I love Jesus. And he'd sing, Are you sure that you love Jesus? And I sang back, Yes, I'm sure that I love Jesus. And he'd sing, Tell me why do you love Jesus? And I'd sing, This is why I love Jesus. And together we sang, Because he first loved me. And we would go into that old chorus, Oh, how I love Jesus. Anyway, you get the picture. I won't go through the whole song, but... Through the years, it's taught me how to always be prepared to lead and sing at a moment's notice. So it was really sweet to get up and sing a song at the end of the service in front of this amazing group of people who have been nothing but open arms to my parents and our family. I know you probably remember that episode where I went home to Oklahoma for their 50th anniversary surprise. So knowing that you know a little bit about their story, I thought you'd love knowing that they've celebrated their 53rd anniversary here this summer from the hills of Tennessee. 
Well, I'm loving this message in the middle of what it looks like for us to endure. I've had several conversations with friends that have just confirmed over and over that the Spirit is doing a work in His church concerning enduring and persevering and holding fast. I've even loved how the guests that I'm getting to host this fall, how the message that God has put on their hearts so beautifully coincides with this word, endure. I don't know about you, but one of the things that has stuck with me from last week's episode is towards the end of the interview with Eric and Kristen, as they were sharing from their new book called The First Breakfast, I love how they pointed to Jesus's response to Peter's confession. When Jesus asked in Matthew 16, 13, who do you say the Son of Man is? It says they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I love that they pointed out this beautiful conversation that is actually much more than a conversation. It's a picture of what Jesus asks of us every day. Who do you say that I am? I love how they pointed out that Peter's confession, his answer back to Jesus, you are the Christ, is what caused Jesus to respond to Peter, giving him his new name and his calling. It's as if Jesus said, okay, now that you've affirmed who I am in your heart, Let me affirm who you are and give you a new name, and I'm also going to give you a new calling over your life, one that's going to change everything. Isn't that beautiful that your confession today is what gives way to your calling? Our confession that Jesus is the Christ and the chief cornerstone that we build our lives on is the way in which Jesus will respond to us about who we are and what our calling is. This word confession is much deeper than just saying something out loud, isn't it? It's really about our belief. In fact, one of the definitions of confession is just that, a statement of what one believes. I know that our confession that Jesus is the Christ sounds like a no-brainer, like super fundamental and elementary in our belief, but just like so many things in Scripture, there's so much power in this simple confession, and it has everything to do with our endurance. Again, this message of enduring is a message that was sent long ago. It's one that has stood the test of time. This message for the church to endure still endures. We have the Holy Spirit to thank for it, that His presence with us gives us the strength and endurance we need, and it comes straight from the source today. We aren't enduring from our own tired strength. As we know, that's a recipe for disaster We endure today because of Christ in us. I'm curious, when you heard those words that Eric shared from the First Breakfast book that Jesus' covenant with you is greater than your commitment to Him, what did you think of that? I'll admit that it took me a minute to process it at first. When I first heard Eric say that, part of me wanted to kind of knee-jerk a little bit and go, okay, wait a minute. My whole life has been about my commitment to Christ. It's the theme of my song. It's the meaning of my days. But at the same time, everything in me wanted and even needed to believe that that's true. 
there was a sigh of relief in my soul to understand that this whole Christianity thing, this following Jesus, it's not actually dependent upon me after all. This is the power of the gospel. The weight of everything that you and I believe and walk in and live out can be placed upon Jesus's covenant promise with us. The covenant he himself fulfilled. The one that God instigated with man long ago. His promise to you today is greater than your performance. His covenant with you outshines and far outweighs your commitment to him today. Now, is our commitment to Christ a good thing? Of course, I believe it pleases Him. But more than anything, I believe it's supposed to look like an overflow of the heart, a gratitude that spills out, a joy that bubbles up, a heart that says, how can I bless you today, God? We begin to not want sin in our lives. In fact, we go to war with sin to put to death the deeds of the body, not for commitment's sake, but because we're beholding this God who would bring us into a covenant that He Himself gave His own Son to make new for us and to seal up in us by His Spirit. Romans 8, 12 through 17 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, or some translations say we have an obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So we do have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, which we so often run to, even to try to do good deeds, to try to measure up. No, our obligation is to live as sons and daughters, to take our part and our place in the promise as his kids. I was thinking this week more on this word endure, and it dawned on me that enduring isn't going down some sort of checklist. It's more like we have a set of building blocks in front of us to work with, kind of like the postures of the heart that we studied some time back. One posture led way to another, didn't it? I love God's way because it works, but also because it feels like momentum meaning that you simply take one step of obedience towards Him and often it opens up layers of life-giving work in us. Like Peter's calling came out from his confession. I believe that our endurance begins with our confession too. What we have confessed with our hearts and our lives and our mouths has everything to do with how we will endure in this life. Confessing that Jesus is the Christ packs a serious punch. It means that we confess that Jesus is who God says He is and that He came and accomplished everything that He said He would. If Jesus is the Christ, then God really does so love the world. He so loves you. If Jesus is the Christ, He indeed is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. Psalm 103, 12. If Jesus is the Christ, then what's true of you is that he bought you with a price. And since you've been bought with a price, that means that you are not your own. 
You belong to Him. You have been adopted into His family. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery, but adoption as sons and daughters. And this means that at some point in your life, there was an awakening of a cry in you. When His Spirit testifies with yours, it cries, Abba, Father. You go from winging it on your own and scrounging up your daily commitment and service to the simplicity of childlike trust and wonder and dependency and intimacy and safety that you simply won't find anywhere else in this life. I've been through seasons like many of you where I've dealt with anxiety and even some depression in my life. There was a season when we were living in Atlanta when I was dealing with a lot of anxiety around my relationship with my son, Noah, in particular. I think I've mentioned a little bit about this before and how Noah went through a really rough time from about age nine until he was about 13. Noah's always been a strong-willed child, but because he was my first, I really didn't know any different. I thought it was really normal. But this season of Noah entering into his tween and teen years was just extremely challenging without going into any detail. Let's just say that I cried about every day around that time. (laughs) But I will say, looking back, I was just as much the problem. I made it worse because I was not responding to Noah in the right way. And what I mean is that the confession in my heart at that time in my life was not filled up with, Jesus, you are the Christ. Instead, I was mustering up my own strength to just make it through the day. I was analyzing everything, reading all the strong-willed child books I could get my hands on, which don't get me wrong, books are helpful. But the condition of my heart was that I was in this place of just trying to manage the situation. I felt obligated to fix everything and figure it out and just fight through it. Well, I remember one night, it had been a particularly hard week. Homework had been a nightmare. Noah and I had been butting heads more than usual. Nathan's schedule was really full, I remember, with his music production, and my schedule was really full. And right in the middle of all of it, we just kind of had this, what felt like a storm brewing in our home. I remember one night after the kids were asleep for the night, I was so tired, but something came over me, and at the risk of sounding like a complete weirdo, I literally walked out the front door, and I started running down the street, (laughs) barefoot, in my pajamas, down the streets of our neighborhood. I've actually never told Nathan this story, and he's sitting right here, but I ran and ran and ran with tears streaming down my face. I remember not even caring in the least bit about who saw me. I just kept running. In fact, I'd actually forgotten how fast I could run. I actually meddled in track in junior high, and I'd forgotten how good it feels to just sprint. But there's only one problem with running and running fast. You end up far from home. So there I was in some cul-de-sac, realizing that there was nowhere to go but home. So I just ended up walking back in the pitch dark, sweating in my pajamas in the suburbia neighborhood of Atlanta. (laughs) And I walked through our living room and went out onto our back deck, which I never really went out there either. But I just laid down on the deck. I remember looking up at the stars and suddenly I just felt this cry start to stir way down deep in my guts. Next thing I knew, I was wailing, and out came the name Abba. (laughs) This is the only time this has ever happened to me. And I know last week I told you about wailing in the shower. I promise, I don't just wail all the time. Nathan can testify. But it was so clear to me that that Abba cry needed to be reawakened in me. 
I remember feeling so helpless and small as I looked up at the night sky. I was as frail as a little child laid out on that deck. But I remembered full well in that moment how much I needed my father's protection. I was faced with the reality that I could not mother unless I'm being fathered. A few weeks after that, I was praying with a friend about an upcoming surgery that I was having, and I was experiencing some fear around the procedure. So we went to the Lord together about it. But before we ended praying, my friend said to me, is there anything else? Well, as soon as she said it, it was like I could see Noah's sweet little face in my mind. I said, yes, actually, I think I need to pray about Noah. So being the experienced prayer warrior she is, she started leading me through any agreements that I had made with the enemy about Noah, any lie that I'd listened to and therefore agreed with that caused me to just be in this place of sort of grinning and bearing my relationship with him, which I know is not what the Lord would have. So I started praying through those agreements, asking the Lord to forgive me for believing any lies that I was believing. And then at the end, she asked me to ask the Lord the truth about Noah. And as soon as I even uttered the words to the Lord, God, show me the truth about Noah, I saw in my mind's eye immediately these huge letters that spelled J-O-Y. They were lit up like lights in Manhattan. Joy. It felt like the Lord said to my heart in that moment, Noah is going to be a joy. Well, I don't know how to explain it other than God, because after my spirit was reawakened to my father once more in that season, that I could cry out to him, not just cry in vain anymore, and I didn't have to run away. I had a place to belong in him. I had a place to live from and love from and to mother from. Once I started beholding him as my father again, I was able to respond to Noah in the way that he so desperately needed me to. After confessing those agreements and hearing from the Lord about Noah, about who Noah truly is, I kid you not that Noah became a joy. I was no longer grinning and bearing our relationship. It became a joy. Something in him completely shifted. This confession of Jesus that you are the Christ, it changes everything. It's not just for salvation. It's for every day. It lifts our eyes from this broken, withering world and shows us once again a God who so loved this withering, broken world, who gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting, everlasting life. The beginnings of enduring are drawing near to God and placing His Word over our lives as our authority and our covering And in that, we position and posture ourselves to behold Him, to see things for how they really are. If we're not beholding Him, we might end up aimlessly running and ending up in a cul-de-sac somewhere with no destination but just to crawl back home. In drawing near, we see Him for who He truly is. And as my friend Matt Redmond says often, seeing is singing. We behold Him. To behold means to gaze upon, observe, to recognize, to discern, to know. Beholding is believing. Beholding is remembering. Beholding is worship. 
Well, today I have my sweet friend Ruth Simons on the podcast. Ruth and I met at If Lead a few years ago, and I have loved and admired her ever since. She's an artist, author, speaker, and is the founder of Grace Laced. Many of you know that she has just released her gorgeous new book called Beholding and Becoming the Art of Everyday Worship. It features 850 pieces of stunning original artwork as well as a journey through 16 everyday life concerns that almost anyone can relate to, such as the daily grind, dirty dishes, unfair circumstances, resources, how to measure success. This book is meant to redirect our eyes and our hearts for worship every day right where we are. Ruth shares, we are so distracted by millions of images that fly by, we don't even realize that our short-sightedness and hurry is causing shallow faith. The result has led to the church often being celebrity-obsessed, but soul-starving. Today's believer wants to know that faith and scripture apply to the unseen, unglamorous, non-Instagrammable moments of our daily lives. The call for us, she says, is to come and gaze intently on God's eternal purposes and unchanging ways. We become what we behold. I hope you enjoyed this interview with the beautiful Ruth Simons today, and I'll talk to you soon. Well, I am so excited to have Miss Ruth Simons on the podcast today. Hello, Ruth. Hi, I am so glad to be here, Christy. Oh gosh, this is, I feel like been a long time coming for me. Um, ever since I got to meet you at IF, I mm-hmm. just kind of fell in love with you, to be honest. <laughs> um, well, and girl, I told you that you have been a part of my journey for a very long time, for decades. And so um, I feel like we're old friends, even though we've really only been able to share life together in the last couple of years. Well, you are a person of peace. And every time I see you, you just, you really do have the countenance of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for your life and your art and your message and just um, what you bring into the spaces that I've gotten to be with you in is truly Mm. remarkable. So I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you, friend. I'm super honored to be here. And we are getting, I'm getting to celebrate with you today, the release of your beautiful book called Beholding and Becoming, The Art of Everyday Worship. I have to tell you that as a songwriter, there's like often songs that I wish I had written and that, that I wish that that, maybe that just will be a song title. I don't know. I'll just write a song around your book. (laughs) If you did, I, that would literally be like a dream come true for me. You, you have no idea. So you're very welcome to do so. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. And I have to say, too, before we just talk a little bit about the content, um, just the artwork. I want to know, okay, so first of all, when did you start painting? Kind of how did that come into your, your life? You know, I think as you probably know in your home, the Lord gifts all of us with creativity. It just comes out in different ways, right? And so for me, I was musical, I was a piano player, and um, I, I'm a painter, and I, I always drew. I was always doodling and sketching, and I'm right-handed, so I would always sit there, and if I was bored, I would draw my left hand. And I was always looking and perceiving and drawing, and it it wasn't necessarily because I was trying to create any masterpiece. I was always just looking at the world around me and just doodling things all the time. But as um, 
pretty much a good Chinese girl. I was really just never thinking that that would ever be a career choice or a trajectory that I was trying to pursue in any formal way um, because it felt like it was a responsible thing to do when your parents move your family to America for opportunity, for education, for those kinds of things. Um, it was never on my radar to study art. And so really I was going down that path of, you know, medicine and science and doing well in all those things, doing well in the study of science and math and um, ex excelling in those things, but just really wasn't my heartbeat and um, didn't reflect my creativity. And so where I really always came alive was writing and in art and um, really didn't pursue it until didn't pursue it in any formal way until my last, almost last year of college in which I kind of turned a corner and said, you know what, I think I want to get my degree in fine arts after all. And so, um, you know, that's just a roundabout way of saying um, the Lord works on our hearts and does not waste any season of our lives. And I think that so many times you think, well, this child has this, you know, I've got one that's eight years old and he's super, you know, crafty in a lot of ways, but he's super into arts and crafts. And and I think, well, he's always collecting like little bits around the house and I'm going, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> but I realized that God um, truly does like instill in us early on a desire to um, bring back to the world the way we see things. Mm. Were you, are you a perfectionist? I know that's a weird question, but. Totally like, recovering perfectionist. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Girl, I was that person who would be like, let's just start completely over. And you know what broke me of that, Christy, was in college. Um, there was an exercise. I, I painted, I used to do oils and like huge oils as in like seven foot paintings, um, these huge canvases that I had to leave at the university and just go visit in the studios. And one time there was a, a project that purposefully was meant to be like seven or eight layers by the, through the course of its painting, meaning you painted a painting and then two weeks later you had to paint over the entire thing. And two weeks later you had to paint over the entire thing again. And it really broke me of that sense that it's a one and done, perfect to the end. It was. It taught me the beauty of layers. It taught me the beauty of progress. It taught me um, kind of what happens when previous seasons and previous layers peek through, which I know is just ultimately metaphoric for our whole lives. But if you think about it, um, sometimes we're so quick to want to cover up previous seasons. We're like, hey, that's not me anymore. I'm not really, you know, and we just kind of pretend that that never existed. But that particular painting was really beautiful in time because various um, seasons and various layers came through. Sometimes you saw my first painting peek through at a different layer. And so um, I don't get to do that as much right now because I'm working in watercolor mostly. Um, and that came about because I have six kids. And so watercolor just dries a lot faster. And um, <laughs> currently I'm working a lot more in watercolor, but one of these days when I get back into oils, I'd like to explore that again. Oh, well, my Ellie is just now learning oil. So she's taking a class this fall for yes. one of her school electives. Um, but yeah, she's done watercolor and acrylics and now she's getting into oil and she came out to the car. I picked her up yesterday and she came out and said, she was talking about a woman who had been working on a painting of the Grand Canyon. And she, she was like, mom, she's been working on it for over a year. And she said, it looks just like a photograph. So it mm -hmm. kind of reminds me what you're saying of, of mm -hmm. her working on it over and over and coming back to it. And that yeah. like blew her mind. And I could tell it was like 
a little bit of that entry point of what you're saying of like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, slow down. This is okay. This take. This is a process. Yes, it's yes. okay. And, and when you come to a painting or any creative work, you're changed. Like you're the person who the you're as a person who's creating it. You're going to be different. But, between today and a year from now, you're going to be a different person. And so um, what you come to the the table with or wherever that creative process is, um, you're developing too and you're growing. So she's going to, she's going to change a lot and her paintings will reflect that. It's exciting. Well, I just, I love the message of this book and it, it goes along actually with, um, I just did really our last season was called Come Magnify the Lord with Me. And I think I actually mentioned the title of your book when it was released, you know, even just the the, the artwork you know, released mm-hmm. on Amazon. I remember you talking about it, and um, we were talking a lot about worship. and And I was encouraging my, my listeners that they're worshipers, but they're also worship leaders. And I think that that was right. new for for some of them. You know that you know a lot of us through through the years have just sort of developed this idea that worship is when we stand and sing at church. Right. Um, but we've talked about um, the fact that they were born to be worshipers mm-hmm. of, of God. And we're all worshipers of something, whether we know it or not, whether <laughs> we're, even a, we're even a believer or not. We're exactly. actually excellent worshipers. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we're we're all worship leaders as well. And so I love this idea of the art of everyday worship because it, it reframes for us what, mm-hmm. what worship is. And so tell me, I guess, just along with this beautiful content in this book of beholding and becoming, what, what is worship? What is your definition mm-hmm. of worship? So you nailed it. That's exactly the very thing that you just described, Christy, is, um, you know, Paul David Tripp has this quote that I included in my intro. He says, human beings by their very nature are worshipers. Worship is not something we do. It defines who we are. You cannot divide human beings into those who worship and those who don't. Everybody worships. It's just a matter of what or whom we serve. And so if we were created in the image of God as image bearers, we were created for the purpose of bringing glory to Him, to esteem Him, to find all our joy in Him. And worshiping is ultimately to, to esteem and know that this, the where we're turning our gaze, where we're turning all our love, all our affections, that the, the recipient of that is worthy of all of our love, all of our affections, all of our attention. And the reality is, like you said, we're all worshipers. We can turn that love, attention, and affection, and um, we can take all our fixation. We can turn all of that to something else. We can turn that to our cell phones. We can turn that into um, to our endeavors, our um, entrepreneurial um, goals. It could. We could turn that towards our children. We could worship our kids and motherhood and whether our kids are obedient or not. So the reality is, Everything we want to do, and especially as believers, and if we're talking to worship leaders and creatives, and my audience might be a lot of folks who are creatives and artistic, and whoever it is that's listening here, the reality is all that we desire to do with our creative spirit, all that we want to offer back up to Him, really has to come from the overflow of everyday worship. It can't be something we muster up and we make professional, or we create some way of saying, you know, Worship is what I do when I step onto that stage or I step into that country where I'm going to serve Him or it's on Sunday mornings when I'm, I've am i got the right mood set or, you know, or even my devotional time when I'm playing a certain song and I'm in the mood. No, it's not that. It's when 
you know, God gives us 24 hours in a day and he's pursuing us right where we are. And so the desire here with this book is um, to draw our attention to the fact that when Paul says that when we behold the glory of the Lord in 2 Corinthians, that um, we're being transformed one degree of glory to another. When he says that, if we break that down, it's the point is that you you become what you behold. So if you are beholding God's glory, then you're going to be transformed by it day by day. But does that only happen on the mission field? Does that only happen at an awesome rock and worship concert um, or a worship conference or a concert or something magnificent that we know it happens in our everyday lives? And so... This book is a bit of an invitation for each one of us to observe and be aware and take notice of how the gospel transforms our everyday moments and turns our gaze from just seeing our circumstances as they are to recognizing that He uses all things to sanctify and transform us from here until eternity. I love it so much. I was telling you earlier that um, this message of endure has been, you know, this even this word endure we're coming around that and I sort of have had this I don't know just something that came to my heart in the last few months it feels like we're in the the middle in a lot of ways of 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 kind of what what is and what is to come and and you even mm-hmm. talk about in the book I love it you said this journey to behold God's faithfulness and become transformed to his likeness day by day. It's not so that we might be more at home here on earth, but so that we might travel with our true home in view and securely in our hearts. I love that so much. We talked about even just in the last episode um, about this sense of eternity and we're all, um, I think, becoming more aware of it as we see, I, I've kind of said this world withering around mm-hmm. us. And what it looks like to endure, kind of the message in the middle to the church or to all of us is to endure. And in yes. in this kind of middle time, what it feels like, you know, between the, the now and the not yet. And I love this yes. um, sense of eternity and setting our gaze and, and, and drawing near to the one who endures mm-hmm. forever. Um, talk about that a little bit of just that. I love how you said that. And that's probably a song mm. lyric too, but <laughs> travel with our true home and view mm. and securely in our hearts. I love that. I think it's confusing for our believers sometimes because we understand that in a in an instant, when we receive Christ, when we surrender it all and we say, I now know that I can't muster up enough good works to be favorable in your sight, Lord. I need the blood of Christ to cover me. When we recognize that, it happens in an instant that we are welcomed into the family of God, that we are made right with Him, that we the veil is torn and that we enter in. That is an, it's a, an immediate, instant, sudden, total mm-hmm. transformation of our position with Christ mm-hmm. and with God, right? Absolutely. But the part that's confusing for us is the now and not yet. That's now, immediately for us. But then the reality is our home, our true home is in heaven, but we're still here. Mm -hmm. Our true home is utter holiness and complete transformation and being without tears, without sadness, without any sin with Him. But now every day I wake up and I'm still dealing with my temper. I'm still dealing with my impatience. I'm still struggling with worry and anxiety and fear. And so what do we do in the now and the not yet? We are promised everything we do have. All that is ours in Christ is now immediately ours because our 
we're, we're totally forgiven and welcome and we're free. But what happens between now and eternity is that the not yet is that he is still working out the the fruit of that, the outward manifestation of that. He is still making all things new in the sense that our bodies are still in a broken world. Our our neighbors are still broken people. We are still um, working and toiling and fighting against our sinful nature. And so, yeah, we still are being transformed day by day. And so I think in part that idea of enduring is that we have to really know who's the author of our endurance and what is actually carrying us through? Because if we if we only believe that we're saved for um, walking through the pearly gates, but we don't realize that we're saved to abundant life and endurance now, then we're going to mm-hmm. walk around feeling kind of like we're lacking something. And you know mm-hmm. what? I, for one, wake up still having to preach the truth to myself that I lack nothing, that I lack nothing in Christ, that I have everything I need for life and godliness if I'm in Him, if I look to Him for it. If I look to myself, I lack everything. You know, if I and if I am hoping that something in me today will get me through and be that person who will show Jesus that I was worthy of being saved, I'm going to come up short. And so I think endurance— um, immediately kind of makes us all want to roll up our sleeves. When we hear that word, we're kind of like, oh yeah, here we go. But you and I are are, are saying and hopefully projecting and, and welcoming the listener here to recognize that enduring is in part a surrendering. It is saying, you know what? The author of my endurance is carrying me to the end. And so my participation in endurance is that I'm going to abide. I'm going to press in tighter, and I'm going to actively stand my ground with my Savior, um, and He is the reason why I can endure, because He endures forever. Mm. Well, I've been talking to a lot of friends, even just this week, around this word endure, and and even just around this um, thought that, you know, kind of in the messy middle of transformation of, of even the war on sin in our own lives, and just I— find myself, I think I can kind of project my own limitations on God. And I start to kind of humanize him in a way of going, okay, I'm tired. I'm worn out. Here's all my tendencies to fall away and to not measure up. And I start finding that I project that on him and I have to kind of go, okay, wait. And, you know, the enemy loves to stir that pot. Mm -hmm. He loves to get us to um, start kind of projecting our own limitations on God, but I love Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator mm-hmm. of the ends of the earth. He will never grow faint or weary. His understanding mm-hmm. is beyond searching out. He gives power to the faint and increases the strength of the weak. Even youths may faint and grow weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about, I think that all of us, you know, we, we want to know how we can set our gaze on mm-hmm. this God who does not mm-hmm. grow weary, who gives strength to the weak. If enduring looks like drawing near to this one who endures forever, what, what are some practical ways that you do that every day? Like what are some ideas maybe even that we might not even know, you know, are an option for us mm-hmm. to set our gaze upon the Lord. You know, I think that 
the reality is we have to know the Word of God to know who He is. But some of us wake up in the morning, and I know for me, I, I stumble down the stairs, and in my mind I think, okay, I, I need to have fuel for the day. I need to go to the Word. And I kind of go forgetting that He's a person. He is to be known. He's pursuing me. I kind of open my Bible and think, where am I supposed to be in the Scriptures? And so one of the things that I do practically is that I don't even open my Bible first. I step outside and I just literally go outside. And it doesn't matter where you live. You don't have to be in the mountains. You don't have to be by the ocean. Um, I, the sky is available to all of us. And I think <laughs> I sometimes that. when we step outside, um, we kind of have to reorient ourselves. And I, I really think that the art of everyday worship is a reposturing and a reorientation every single day. And the reality is, if you step outside and do exactly what you just talked about and realize that He is God and we are not, that sets the course for the day. It helps us go, I had nothing to do with that sun rising. I had nothing to do with waking. I mean, really, the fact that I have breath today means that He is still in control. And I think that sometimes when we just start with a, such a practical step of stepping out the door, taking a quick walk, going to observe, like maybe watering your plants anywhere, front in the house, out in the front yard, whatever it is, but doing something that where you go, I did not have anything to do with this thing growing and this world being held together. And for me, just me practically, for me, it's seeing the sunrise, it's seeing a sunset. For me, sometimes it's seeing how the birds um, fly across the sky and maybe seeing a new bud open. And that's why you see a lot of nature themes in my paintings, because that's where I've learned to turn my gaze. It doesn't mean that I am learning all about Jesus by studying a plant. It's that I have to go to the Word of God. Of course we have to go to the Word of God. But sometimes we need the reminder that He's pursuing us in more ways than just the text on the page, and that the Word of God will come alive when we start reorienting ourselves, first and foremost, to gazing on the ways He's tried to reveal Himself to us in everyday ways. And so, um, I, I, that's how I do it, is that I literally have to step outside with my cup of coffee and just kind of talk to him, Christy, first thing in the morning. And sometimes that's audible and sometimes that's not audible, but I just stand outside and I go, Lord, um, remind me today that mm. this day is yours. Remind me this that you have a purpose for this day, that I woke up breathing because you have me here on purpose. And when I can reorient that way and when I can reposture myself in a place of surrender where I am the created and he's the creator, and that's where the book starts. And I think the reason why I have to start there is none, nothing else about who he is is going to make sense if I don't start by believing that he is God and I'm not. Mm. I talked about in the last episode of how um, we were talking about the the authority of the word of God over our lives. And, and I was saying, do our experiences matter? Yes. But I was saying it's, it's because truth matters first. And I, I love how you were talking about how the word of God is going to ground your experience of going outside and, and seeing yes. this plant and, you know, or looking up and the birds are flying across and they're migrating and the sky that's available to all of us. Like it preps our experiences. It affirms them. It, ex it mm -hmm. expresses God, you know, through he's expressed through our experiences. So I love that. Yes. Um, you know, even I've had times of just being in the word of God and over and over the Lord will bring back, you know, something I've experienced that week, um, it'll bring that memory back to my mind. And sometimes we might think, 
oh, that's just me being distracted right now when I'm trying to read. But then I'll stop and think about, okay, he just brought, that's actually maybe from him. Like he brought a memory Mm -hmm. back to me of this week. And then I'll find that it's going along with the text. And I love how he's, you know, it's just a beautiful um, picture, like you're saying, of how, um, you know, he'll, He'll kind of he'll use his word before and after of mm-hmm. us, you know, experiencing him and his creation or through relationship, us connecting with right. the people he's given us in our lives, whether that's marriage or our, our friendships or our children. And mm-hmm. um, it's so beautiful to to be connected, like you're saying, in the day to day. And I talk about that a lot because, you know, just years ago, the Lord got a hold of me because I was kind of that person who thought. You know, I only could experience the Lord in those bigger things, like you were saying, the concerts mm-hmm. and the conferences. And mm-hmm. and the Lord got a hold of me a long time ago, especially to just be in the moment with my children and to um, experience the glorious and the mundane. And knowing that it happened, I've shared the story on my podcast, it happened in the bathroom while I was cleaning a toilet of Him mm-hmm. <laughs> showing up, um, His presence with me in the mundane and calling me to look at him deeper and to actually calling me to enjoy him. I love that. And I love that. It feels like even when I just open up, you know, this new book of yours with all the paintings and I love that even in the beginning, you give like a little, uh, kind of a little like key to, to the Mm -hmm. things that you painted. And of course I have to say my favorites, I can't take my eyes off of the pomegranates. And and the the honeycomb, honeycomb is like become a sweet thing Mm -hmm. for me. But I love that you give the the honeycomb means fruitfulness and provision and the pomegranate means fruitfulness, blessing and abundance. And you give about like 25 of these things that you've painted. Right. And they're just just how I feel inspired because those things may or may not represent those things in age old, you know, um, artwork or whatever. But for me, it's it's that. I think we all have a choice to determine how we're going to see things in our lives. And I, I had never heard you tell that story about um, cleaning the toilet, but Chrissy, I'm like, we are soul sisters. I totally <laughs> get you. And we're, we're, we're on the same wavelength because this is literally why I felt like this season was the time that I wanted to write a book like this because, you know, life, uh, we're both in spaces where there's just really, really beautiful and dramatically wonderful things happening all the time um, online. And you're seeing that a lot, but the majority of the time we are working out our salvation in really mundane places of our lives. And even yesterday, I had to tell the story that um, I was fussing to Troy about, um, and it's embarrassing to even say it, but the reality is we all do this, but I literally was like, why are the boys not learning to just put this away? Whatever this is, I mean, that could be a million different things. And I'm sure every household has the version of that one thing that never gets put away. And um, and I was really frustrated. I was frustrated about it. And not that, wow, we, we of course, um, you know, we teach and we train. But I was kind of saying, why aren't we done yet? Like, why are we not done with this? Why is this not over. And Troy, you know, who's taught me so much about the art of everyday worship, he literally just said to me, he goes, "Um, babe, this is exactly what the gospel is. It's training and relearning and reapplying. And he's like, wouldn't we, this is our opportunity to show them and to learn ourselves how to be in progress and how to grow in this. And he said it probably way more eloquently than that, but basically, (laughs) 
he was reminding me of the very thing that I am working through right now, just that we have got to apply the gospel in our everyday lives to see his purposes worked out in our learning to live for him. That doesn't just happen because we determine one day suddenly, I'm going to live for you, Lord. It it happens as we readjust our, our gaze and our and our heart's affections back to Him over and over again, because it is a warring every day. I don't wake up every day loving the Lord, my God, with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, first and foremost, over myself naturally. That's not going to be natural. It's more that I have to remind myself, why is He worthy? What has He done for me? What has He accomplished on the cross? What is already finished with Him? When He says it is finished, that is freedom for me because of because why? You know, when I repeat those truths back to myself, then I go, oh, he is so worthy. He is so much better. And therefore, I can realign with why I want to worship him alone and not these other things. Okay, so everyone listening and including myself, that's going to be the question of the week. Why is he worthy? Mm-hmm. I love that so much. That's just such a great way to start our day even. Like even if, my goodness, Ten, mm-hmm. 10 reasons why he's worthy. <laughs> and and um, you have to switch to yourself. You have to remind yourself over and over again, because I think that's the part where, back to your, your theme of enduring, I think the part that we get discouraged in sometimes is that we forget that enduring is small, lots of steps. It's slow. It's not something that happens in an instant. And enduring means persevering and taking the long road to... Um, trusting him for every step that we take and so yeah that asking that question if we're getting down to the practical thing like you will find me on my porch with a coffee in hand looking at the sunrise in most days I feel deflated Christy I feel scared of all the stuff that's going on and that's on my list and what if I can't make the deadline what if I can't get this done but I have to stop and say okay I'm not the savior of my own life so if he is worthy what makes him worthy? What makes him worthy of my attention and not my to-do list? You know. Thank you so much for who you are and your family is such a lighthouse, even just on Instagram <laughs> and all of the craziness of Instagram. I do love when I scroll past your family. And so I'm so thankful for you just for who you are. And I would love for you to just before we go, talk about this companion guide and how that kind of pairs with the journey. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Christy, that you are so kind. Thanks for encouraging me. I'm so grateful for you. Um, And I love that you get my heart with this book. Um, This book is set up with 16 different duets, 16 beholding and becoming chapters. Um, I give you 16 areas of our lives where maybe you need to behold Him instead of your circumstances, and in doing so, be shaped by So now what? Now that I beheld him, how do I become who I need to be in Christ? And what is the actionable way to live that out, live out what I beheld, and how do I become more like him? And so there are 16 different readings. Um, You can use it like a devotional. You can use it like a coffee table book. And you can use it however you need to. You can gift it. Um, You can read it quickly. You can read it really slowly. But either way, I've created um, all the writings to go along with 
what hopefully is extravagant artwork that causes you to linger long and slow down and really take in the Word of God and notice more. And I hope that you will take a long time through its pages so that you can experience just the beauty that really is around you. I hope that as you go through the book, you might notice more that of all his faithful works and all his creativity around you already. And my goal is simply just to um, adorn the gospel and to paint in a way that will turn our attention to what's already beautiful and what's already present. And this guided companion is a way for us to go deeper in additional scripture passages. I write somewhat like Bible study questions, but I write questions and personal journaling questions for you to interact with each chapter of the book. So the book itself doesn't leave room for you to write or journal in it. I am absolutely never offended when somebody marks it up and circles and does all that. I think it's incredible when you interact with a book and leave your own markings all over my work. I I welcome you to do that. But if you're somebody who needs a journal um, that has lines in it that causes you to dig into the scripture passages a little bit more with um, prompts and with questions that help you study the passage, that's what the Guided Companion's for. Gotcha. And then I think after I read it and maybe hold on to it for year or two, I'm going to like tear some pages out and frame them. <laughs> you don't have to do it, girl. We're actually going to sell all those prints in the shop. So, Oh, you are. You, oh, yeah. We're going to have majority of those prints available as 8x10s, 11x14s and canvases. So please don't. You don't need yeah. to. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad I said that. Well, I'm excited to know then that there's prints and I don't need to butcher your book up. Um, <laughs> it's gorgeous. I'm so excited for this release and just thank you so much for being our guest today. I know that um, all that you've shared and just your life and even what God's done through this book is going to be so encouraging to so many people. So thank you, Bruce. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me, Christy. It's been a joy to be here and you are such a treasure to me. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. <laughs>